welcome to our Singing in the Rain podcast. I'm here in my sitting room. I'm Rachel Kelly. I'm a writer and mental health campaigner, and I'm with Dr. Max Pemberton and Marjorie Wallace. Max, just a quick word of introduction. Tell us briefly about yourself. So I'm a doctor. I work full-time in the NHS in mental health. Uh, I'm also a journalist. Uh, I write a column for the Daily Mail and for Reader's Digest, uh, and I write books. Fantastic. I'm Marjorie Wallace. I was an investigative journalist. I wrote a series of articles, and then I uh, founded the mental health charity SANE. We have a lot of telephone calls from people uh, with all kinds of mental health problems and their families. We also believe very strongly in research and in campaigning. Fantastic. Well, we decided to get together. I'm a long-term fan of Marjorie's. I've been involved with Sane as an ambassador for them. And then I met Max socially and always liked his work. So I thought, wow, let's get together. So here we are sitting in our house. And actually this week, Max and Marjorie have been very patient and nice because they've allowed me to really crack on this week with one of my pet subjects, which is the links between nutrition and mental health. And to get us all in the mood, we're actually having some happy smoothies uh, which have got lots of nice, calming, balancing, healthy... Uh, actually, uh, yeah, we're going to come on to language around food. But anyway, I hope you're enjoying your smoothies. They're delicious. <laughs> they, they, they taste lovely, although it does, it does look slightly um, like yeah, mud. I know like we, mud, I'm going to say. Yeah, we made a bit of a muddle by <laughs> drawing taste, attention. But mud, it's nice. Yeah. So it's got some spinach in there with some iron for balanced energy. So when you're low in mood, often you've got very little energy. Um, we've got some sort of sweeter fruit. Uh, we've got a bit of mango in there, obviously quite high in sugar, but hopefully keeping your mood uh, steady. So it's not like a sugar high of sugar. But we're going to come on to what and why and where in terms of food. So I'm just going to say why I got so involved in this idea that food could help my mental health. So what happened was... Um, about five years ago, I went to see my GP and I was okay. I was functioning. I'd had two really bad depressive episodes um, and the second one had really dragged on for a couple of years. And I'd basically turned to medication as my main route out, but I pulled in a few other strategies and I was doing some mindfulness and I'd done some cognitive behavioral therapy. And I went to see my GP and she said, how are you getting on? I said, well, you know, I'm okay. And I felt I was kind of surviving, but not really thriving. And so we talked about my medication, which I was still on. She said, have you done this? Have you done that? And literally as I was leaving, as I was leaving she said, what about happy foods? And I was really electrified because I know none of my other doctors or the different psychiatrists I'd seen or through my treatment, no one had ever said this idea of happy foods. And, you know, I'd heard about food for cardiovascular health and food for getting over cancer, but I really had never heard this link between food and mental health. And actually, you know, both you guys, like it was still a quite a little bit of a new thing that I was so keen to do a whole podcast on it. So I really sort of jumped on her and I said, oh my God, what are these happy foods? And so she said, um, dark green leafy vegetables, um, oily fish and dark chocolate. And I thought, oh my God, this is just getting better and better. Dark chocolate, I love dark chocolate. And I said, well, please tell me more, tell me more. What should I do? What should I eat? When, la, la, la. And she said, well, I can't really because, um, well, Max, over to you. How many hours training does a, a doctor get in the NHS on nutrition? Let me count them. Uh, none. None? Yeah, okay. none. I mean, we did, so in the first year of medical school, uh, well, we did, um, at my medical school, we did a like a module on 
biochemical nutrition or something, I think they called it, which yeah. is basically kind of like, you know, how ascorbic acid is processed. And I remember us doing some experiment on guinea pig ilium, like guinea pig bowel. I can't remember anything else. It seemed a completely pointless experiment. I didn't even do it because I was vegetarian at the time. And uh, and it was all very kind of dry. It was never anything about, you know, well, this is what we'd advise you to eat in these situations okay. or anything. It was literally just like the biochemical pathways okay, of marvelous. vitamins. That's you, it. You made my point. <laughs> so my GP said, well, I can't help you because I'm not an expert and I don't know. I then noodled around and uh, found a nutritional therapist. And I really liked her because she trained to be a doctor. So I'm, you know, nutrition, dodgy science research does it really work so I thought okay I'll get someone who really knows what they're talking about she had a degree in nutritional therapy and in biochemistry and I really liked her amazing woman Alice McIntosh and I went to see her and I said look you know what am I supposed to do how can I eat for my mental health and what can I do and it became a really happy four-year relationship and we went through all symptoms like uh, lack of energy not sleeping being anxious um, catastrophizing um, low mood um, lack of mental clarity and on each topic, we looked at the research, we came up with recipes, uh, what can you do, how can you help? And I just became just really excited and enthusiastic about it. I mean, Marjorie, I think you might have known me five, six years ago. And honestly, my energy levels and enthusiasm and positivity now compared to that and the way that food has helped... Um, Quite alarming, know. actually, Rachel. The <laughs> kind of energy you have now makes us all feel a little bit sort of um, in the shade. Well, I don't know. <laughs> quite anyway. radiant energy, I have to say. Oh, thank you. I mean, and and then what was really exciting is that thanks to associations with people like Sane and being involved with other mental health charities, I started running Good Mood Food workshops, sort of sharing what we thought we knew and the recipes and. I think the thing that I loved was that you know all respect for medication and amazing work that you do it was this sense of empowerment and that people could make a difference themselves and the sense of agency and they got cracking and they could make good decisions five six times a day in terms of what they ate and how that they affected that affected their mood so whew, end of my kind of explosive ex enthusiasm um that's why i wanted to talk about it today and i and i know that you know you guys maybe it's not quite such a thing for you guys but um marjorie tell tell us where you fit in and do you believe as much as me in the power of food well i have to say you've converted me quite oh. a lot i mean <laughs> your book nice. the happy kitchen is an absolutely beautiful book oh, and though i my children will say that i'm not been the best of cooks in my life my four children are not very complimentary about my kitchen skills they actually sometimes say when mum comes into the kitchen she asks where's the dishwasher and she mixes it with the washing machine <laughs> um, but uh, your your book is beautiful and it's for a reason I'm saying it because one of the things that I do find about the importance of food is the colour of food and yeah. whether or not it looks it's, to me a plate of food is like a canvas and if it's laid out with a, a nice palette of colours there's a whole new dimension to it which enhances your response and sense of taste and your sense of symmetry and control and I think in a way What's great about what you're saying is that it is a way of controlling. Yeah. But it's definitely a sense of uplifting. Um, it's not substituting for other forms yeah. of therapy. That's the important thing about your way you're doing it. Other of the things that we read about um, offer it as a substitution yeah. for um, but, but isn't that right? other medications or other therapies. Yeah. 
Yeah, but Max, am I right in thinking with the NICE guidelines that what they say is that even if you are taking medication, actually it's more effective if you pulling other strategies. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that I, what, what you were saying, I was really interested in what you were saying about it kind of gives you you know, a sense of agency and that you're not yeah. just this kind of passive person within your illness who's like, you know, doctors are giving you medication mm. or they're kind of sending you off to... Uh, to therapy where you're this kind of passive agent in your own life actually with with this kind of thing it's you're you're empowered and you've yeah. got a sense of agency again and a sense of control back in your life and you think you know what actually i can you, yes i might have to sort of be you know be reliant on a psychologist for helping me with, with the kind of therapy side or a doctor helping me with the, with the medication but actually i can also do something as well here yeah um you know and i can and i would all of my patients i'd always encourage them to try and eat in a healthy way to eat a balanced diet and to exercise and mm. it sounds kind of boring it sounds like a boring you know everyone rolls their eyes and think oh god doctors always saying that kind of thing but it's because there's a you know there's good evidence yeah that actually kind of good nutritious food it, it's, it, it helps us recover from both yeah. physical illness as well as mental illness well there's a couple of points there and i'm sure you get this um marjorie on your saying community and so yeah as you say waiting for the expert all very well horrible waiting lists as we all know you know you'd be very lucky to get to see you what's your average wait time max to get Six to see months. you Bloody hell, six And the months. people that call us at SANE, our helpline SANE line, people are calling it about 18 months sometimes okay. yeah. and before the going and the to a doctor and getting any form of counselling. So we've got a six-month wait for a psychiatrist. We've got an 18-month wait for a counsellor. Um, and the best antidepressants, maybe six to eight weeks sometimes to kick in. So some of the workshops I've been running, the Good Mood Food workshops, we do a four-week course. They come back the, the following week and they're actually reporting a change in their mood. So that's even within one week. Anyway, so I just thought maybe uh, sum up what, what the sort of real learning is and the, and the sort of absolute key rules if you do want to sort of take on this approach. So one really useful um, acronym is cut the crap. Sorry if that's an offensive word, but um, it's a really way, useful way to remember. So for me, as someone who's sort of recovered, a lot of stuff is actually about remembering because when your brain fugged and you're feeling depressed, half the time you can't really remember. But cut the crap. So that's carbonated drinks. Really interesting headlines this week, actually, about diet mm. drinks and how they mess up the microbiome, which I'll come to. But carbonated drinks, uh, refined sugars, um, aspartamine and um, additives, and processed meats and processed foods. So in our workshops, it, week one, just try and get everyone to make a commitment to stop those four things. Um, and if you, so partly stop. Don't do those things. And then introduce. So the, the highlights of what to introduce, we particularly go for the, for the oily fish, all the work about omega-3s. So if you don't want to take the tablets, um, four portions of fish a week. So you want things like tuna, anchovies, herring, those sorts of oily fish. Got to watch heavy metals, not too much of the tuna. Um, maybe lots of listeners um, don't eat fish. So then things like hemp seeds, some of the there's, there's good omega-3s in there. And obviously then the tablets. Um, why are omega-3 so important? I don't know. I'm really interested where you stand on this, Max, but um, they're thought to be anti-inflammatory. Yeah, I think. And they help um, the, the gut mi microbiome, which will be my second area where I'm going to tell you what to do. Um, there's a big new field of research, isn't there, that it may be that some mental health conditions are linked to sort of chronic, i.e. ongoing inflammation. And that we like the omega-3s because they bring that inflammation down. Mm. Remember, this, one of the best books recently is called, I think, The Inflamed Mind. Exactly, brilliant. And brilliant there's book. a lot of research going on that there is some link to some kind of inflammation. They yeah. haven't, it's very early days yet. 
Um, yeah, but well, and if, if 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 listeners don't know that, that's Dr. Edward Bullmore, the inflamed yes. mind. Absolutely brilliant. And we we will have resources at the end of the podcast. Anybody who kind of wants to follow things up. And it kind of makes sense, doesn't it? Because we know that so many other physical health conditions yeah there is you know inflammatory responses are kind of underlying so many of them even things like you know atherosclerosis you know where people's uh um, what's it called um, atherosclerosis where, where your, your blood vessels oh, yeah. get kind of furred up oh, I never knew how and to they cause it. kind of you know kind of cardiovascular like heart problems heart attacks angina all those kind of things there's an inflammatory response even to that on a kind of tiny tiny yeah you know you know minuscule level um so you know it, it hardly it's hardly surprising that you would you know, if, it, if it's implicated in all these physical health problems yeah that it wouldn't in some way also be implicated in some way in mental health problems as well which actually brings me on to the sort of second big area this so this idea of kind of mind-body links so I don't know again I don't know if you guys think this is true but it might be fair that in the past we had more of a split between mind and body absolutely yeah okay cool so um the Cartesian model René Descartes 17th century French scientist split mind and body and from reading a lot of the nutritional research and working with Alice, um, the way I now think about it is the two coming together. And that's where gut health comes in. So I think it'd be fair to say, again, vast simplification. Here's the brain. In the old days, brain runs everything. Now we think there's this link between brain and gut. So there's this constant two-way communication. What does it mean nutritionally? It means we want good ha- gut health. We want to improve our digestive health and the microbiome, which basically just means how our, our, the state of our digestive health and what, what what do we know about that well another really great guy in this field uh, dr tim Spector. have you have you come across him fantastic book the diet myth and what he says gut health the way to do it more variety and this is one of the things i love about good mood food is because a lot of other diets are about cutting stuff out and um, a lot of the data shows that um, your gut health improves with variety so we're not saying stop stuff, which we all know doesn't really work. We're actually saying, you know, if you always cook with olive oil, try rapeseed oil or, um, you know, almond oil or some of the other nut oils, have a variety. And if you always just get, we with the, with the workshops, we say the six one rule. So if you normally go into the supermarket and you get six tins of um, um, peas, get six different types of tinned vegetables, as it were. Um, so that's, I think that's such a lovely positive rule. And the other point on gut health is more, um, having more um, probiotics. So the way I remember it, prebiotics, probiotics. Probiotics is like the O in yogurt. So that's that the actual healthy bacteria. So that's things like yogurt, um, kefir, sauerkraut, all that stuff. But yog- but the bacteria needs to feed on something else, and that's the prebiotics. So that's why uh, that's things like green leafy vegetables, which was my GP said the green leafy vegetables. So so number one, oily fish. Number two, gut health. And the last, <coughs> there goes the dog. Sammy, does that mean you agree? Last one, sugar. Keep mood steady by not having mood swings with sugar highs and lows. It's, it's fairly straightforward. There's probably a link with sugar and the gut microbiome as well, that the less healthy bacteria flourish with, the, with too much refined sugar. So those are my three takeaways. Well, I think they're, they're <laughs> marvellous. I'll tell you why, uh, Rachel, I think this is wonderful, because everything else one hears about nutrition and yeah. mental health, there's always a sort of sense of punishment, a sense, yes, of, a yes. sense of depriving yourself. And you know, when people are suffering from depression or any other mental health condition, they're deprived already. They're deprived of their energy. They're deprived of their hope. And the one thing they don't want to have, be is deprived of the few things that comfort them. 
yeah. to give them a little bit of comfort. Yeah. And so what you're saying is you're saying you're not depriving yourself. You're actually broadening your horizons. You're giving yourself more life and colour rather than taking it away. So that's what I think is so good about your approach because I'm very, very worried about some of the other diet approaches. Yeah. Clean we're gonna, eating. Yeah. We're clean eating, we that. have a lot of people who are um, callers who are uh, absorbed in this idea of clean eating. And there's a, you get this sort of almost religious sense about purging yourself in the way that, you know, you've got your get your sins out of your body by taking foods that are disagreeable or depriving yourself. Now, uh, anything that counteracts that, I think, is really important. Well, a couple of things there. I so know that thing of the comfort thing. You know, you've had a crap day. I must stop using that word. Um, and, you know, it's four o'clock. You're feeling a sort of dip in energy. And what do you want? You want, a, you know, a nice slice of chocolate cake. We did, we did try to address it. So we have got a chapter of recipes in the book about comfort eating, but which is on the sort of healthier end. Never say good or bad, but the sort of healthier rather than the, the less healthy end. But look, hey, I put my hand up. Dead complicated area, food. But also, I think health. part of the problem with things like, for example, like I'm going to have a piece of chocolate cake, yeah. is that often people then have it and then they feel so guilty. They then feel really guilty afterwards, and then yeah. it kind of you know it kind of feeds in often to the kind of negativity. And so, firstly, there is part of this is around kind of trying to make people more relaxed around food, yeah. In general, that there isn't good food and there isn't bad food particularly. There's just you know different types of food, and 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 those different types of food can be really advantageous or disadvantageous disadvantageous is that word yeah it is yeah i think so whatever um you know it can be be positive or negative in different times in your life um um and that you know and also i suppose kind of uh, and taking away that idea that when you've been you know you're not a dog when you have been a good boy or a good girl, you don't need to eat. You don't need a treat all the time. Yes. And we have this a lot within within work. So I work in eating disorders. So we do this a lot with patients of like, you know, you don't need a treat. You don't need to to to, to give yourself food um, when you've been good, when you're having a bad time, et cetera, et cetera. You know, it doesn't have to be something like a little chocolatey. Okay, just back treat. to the chocolate. Can, can we just rewind? Um, anyone out there, and I, I, I so know that thing, even despite all my enthusiasm for the healthier sides and how much it's helped me. What what do you do if you eat a slice of chocolate cake? What should you then, how should you then not feel guilt-tripped? Well, I think... That's- <laughs> Because I'm what sorry, you're that's actually really trying, hard, but, but it's hard because what you're actually fighting against is a whole load of kind of social influences yeah. that tell you, and it's so confusing. I find that yes. like, in modern life, it's really confusing for people. On one level, they're saying, you know, come on, you're worth it. You know, treat yourself, indulge yourself. And on the other hand, as soon as you do, then you say, oh, you're greedy, you're out of control, you're a pig, et cetera, et cetera. So there's this kind of constant tension that we're trying to deal with. And actually part of it, I suppose, is stepping back out of that and thinking, actually, do you know what? Food is just, it's just a source of energy. And that there yeah. are some sources of energy that are more efficient, that are better than others. But actually, that's all it is. And we need to try and, to try and remove some of the emotions from food. I, I think that's a really great idea, just to sort of pull back from all the emotional overlay. And actually, food is fuel. And it, it, why has it got all these emotional connotations? But I mean, I'm afraid it has, hasn't it? I mean, yeah, absolutely. We can't eat. But that's part of the way that it's... Um, trouble with it's linked to mental illness you've got this link between say depression and obesity yes and there is a definitely a lot of uh, good research showing that there is both ways depression and obesity and if you're obese you might be depressed yeah and so you've again you've got this guilt coming in the beating yourself up if you do eat and then then you get so anxious you eat too much and and so it goes on, so it becomes a vicious cycle. So it's tr- as you were saying, it's trying to remove that idea that it's um, 
it's, it's your blame. But that's difficult to put against control because, again, you have with your eating disorders, which Max knows so much about, you have this element that I've got, I can control the world by what I eat. Mm. And that is the really, I think, where it becomes a very dangerous thing when you sort of concentrate on the nutritional, the not the nutritional actually here, but on the food and on the eating. It can become quite a dangerous thing. You put your sort of that great uh, searchlight of um, harsh criticism that you have mm. on yourself. You put it on you and then on your plate of food that you're not going to eat because you think somehow or other that's going to be bad for you or you're going to lose control over your size or over your well, emotions. Yeah, I mean, it is a really big topic, isn't it? Control and... You know, because when you are very low, maybe that's the one thing you can hang on, hang on to, that you can at least control what, you, what you're going to eat. You know, you're not in control of the doctors, you're not in control Absolutely, of medication. Yeah. Any thoughts on that? Well, we know, we know that, that food is, you know, it's one of the first things we learn as a baby is, mm. is what we, 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 we learn how to control what you put in our mouth. Mm. Um, it's, you know, one of the most basic things about controlling our external environment um, is, is, is food and, and is eating. So, you know, it's, it's understandable that at times, um, you know, that w when you feel very, very lost and very out of control, that you would revert back to that, that one thing that you know that you have learned to control, and that's food. Um, and, and, and I think that it's part of all the same thing. You know, we often think of, say, anorexia in, you know, separate... But actually, to me, it's often part of the whole thing um, of all different eating disorders. It's about often playing with control, playing with reward, playing with kind of low self-esteem, et cetera, et cetera. It's all of these things that are all kind of tied up with food. And one of the things I was interested in that you were talking about yeah. was this kind of idea of kind of, you know, nurturing and finding good foods and you know, mm. expanding our foods that we eat. Um, but, the, but the difficulty I, that we, as a doctor that sometimes I have with that is, you know, I remember when I was working a long time ago in a, a drug unit down in South East London. And I was having this thing, so, you know, trying to be a nice holistic doctor and saying to people, you've got to eat good, nutritious food. And to cut a long story short, eventually one of these patients kind of said to me, look, doctor, <laughs> you keep on saying this, have but have, have you local, seen the sh local shops? Yeah, and there was yeah. quite genuinely, there was five kebab shops in a row. Yeah. And there was one corner shop. And I went in there and there was genuinely not a single vegetable. Mm. And so I think it's really hard because I suppose, you know, doctors and, you know, all of us kind of, you know, try and sort of bang on about, you know, how good it is to have food, you know, good nutritious food. Yeah. But actually for some people, not for everybody, but for some people, it's actually really hard to access that. No, you're quite right. You're quite right and, and that's a, that yeah. is what i quite liked about your book is that actually it makes it kind of the foods are not you know sort of you know organic black-eyed quinoa or something very complicated it's kind of stuff there's all sorts of different foods in there oh, that actually you not, could get you know not at from all and, and in fact um you're absolutely right if you look at the you know uk nutritional surveys um it, it you know people on lower incomes have definitely mm. got a much worse diet and in fact you know, most people have got a kind of fairly reasonable diet. But I suppose the plus side of that is, first of all, they do then see a kind of quite a big transformation if they do take on board some of these ideas. And a lot of the people we're working with, we, you know, the first workshop is all about, OK, we're going to use your freezer because you're absolutely right. At, you know, most corner stores, you're not going to have that range. Also looking at how tins and how that can work. So it's kind of very much your store cupboard. You know, you're coming home late. Maybe you've done two shifts. Um, it's nine o'clock. There's nothing to eat. What are you actually going to do? So in each of our sections, we've had we've got a feeling fragile recipe, which literally takes less than five minutes. You have Brilliant. to have a magic mix. Mm -hmm. But even things like, you know, to make your own hummus, you know, you could, uh, which is, you know, can of chickpeas, 
it, you can vary it with different you know, sun-dried tomatoes. You can add in, you know, you, need, you, you can vary the oils. You could use olive oil, you could use other. And then before you know it, you've got actually something really delicious, really nutritious. And it is literally taken three minutes in a magic mix. But you're right. It, it, you know, it is, it, is, it is a difficult, um, it is a big transition. But just back to sort of finding a way through, um, because we're going to come on to some questions in a minute. But just finding our way through this sort of quite obviously complicated whole area so we, we've got max's um let's strip away emotions and come to eating as fuel it really interesting what you were saying margie because i was thinking gosh um you know there's this whole thing around mindful eating and i was thinking where's the safety here because i really take your point you don't want to overly focus and obsess but then there's this whole field of you know don't just have the fridge open and you know you neck back three lots of dark coke before we've even thought about it i mean this is that's with that this yeah. is the key point is that lots of my patients say say for example with binge eating disorder so yeah. they, i mean their their relationship with food has got so out of control it's actually becoming a proper a natural eating disorder they don't recall eating all the food it's not like they sit there and mindfully eat the chocolate gato yes they will yes. often frequently sit there and say to me do you know what doctor i it's almost like I'm, i go in a trance and when i come to i realize i've eaten three gattos or i've eaten you know four packets of biscuits uh, they, they there's no enjoyment in in that moment in fact they they really dislike it it's horrible yes. for them, and they don't even recall it and and actually, so mindfulness. I did a course on mindful um, mindful eating, yes, and and teach it to lots of my patients because it actually encourages you to think about what you're putting in your mouth and to kind of savour it and understand it again as a kind of an experience rather than oh, I'm so purely pleased. So you, you just do kind of think, shove down your throat because we've got a bit about it, and it was something that I do in the workshops as well. There's the famous exercise of eating the raisin. I, I've done that. I love it. Yeah, Ten I minutes eating, eating a raisin. raisin. And even do you I, know that one, Marjorie? I do, I do, but yeah. I'm sadly, sadly, I hate raisins. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't do well on my mindfulness there. I actually failed at the first yeah. hurdle. One thing I think there is quite a bit of evidence for is vitamin D. Yep, um, that's the only one the government says, isn't it? Yes, the sunshine, as you call yeah, it, eating, o- October eating to March. sunshine, yeah. um, which I love the idea of eating sunshine. Um, yeah. But there is quite, I think, growing evidence that if, not necessarily for everybody, but if you're deficient in d- vitamin D, it can help yeah. and give you a boost. And so... Skeptic as I am, I'm prepared to sort of go along those okay. routes. It's interesting. Vitamin D, loads of studies about how it benefits four or five other systems, not particularly the mood system, but because it helps cardiovascular health, it helps endocrine health, i.e. hormones. It helps so many other things that we also say, yeah, vitamin D. Particularly vitamin D is that, you know, it's often... Older people, people with chronic illness, people yeah. with mental illness, for example, who might not necessarily be going out so much yeah. for yeah. various reasons. They might not be getting out into the sun. People from yeah. ethnic minorities who may be kind of covering up. So it's often these groups anyway, which are predisposed um, for, to, to have mental health problems. Um, are often then also deficient in vitamin D. Yeah, um, well, so that's I, brilliant. So I that feel we quite a champion of vitamin D. I take it, okay. I take it every day. Okay, so we're going to add that to our list. Shall I send them up one last time? Would that be useful for people? Okay, me, Max and Marjorie, this is our conclusion about how to navigate the very complicated world of food and mental health. Number one, cut out the crap, carbonated drinks, refined sugars, aspartame and additives and processed meats and processed foods. Uh, number two, uh, omega-3s re- reduce inflammation and eat more oily fish. Uh, number three, improve your gut health and your microbiome and that's more fermented foods and more variety which we like because it's positive we're not going to get worried about it Um, number four watch the sugar because that's going to play havoc with your mood Uh, number five 
take away the emotional overlay and try and think of food as fuel. It's on your side. It's going to help you in a positive, energetic way. Uh, number six, vitamin D. Did I forget anything? No. No, that's it. Are we really happy? I think that's yeah, you did nice. so well. Yeah? Brilliant. I hope that really helps anybody listening. Can I add another one just to be really annoying? Okay, number seven. Go it's for it. Eat regularly. Lovely. And there okay. was really, really, really good research on this. In fact, it comes from the 1940s. There was a series of studies called the Minnesota Starvation Studies, right. which I talked about all my patients do constantly. And it's very, I think patients get very confused because we're constantly being told now, you know, restrict and don't yeah. eat this. And, you know, you only eat 200 calories on a Monday or whatever it is. And actually... I personally, I would say put all that research away, ignore it. If you're an average person who's not a world competing athlete, eat regularly. And actually regularly, what that means is three main meals and three snacks a day. So it's six meals Ooh. because that helps regulate your blood sugar level. Mm. And we know, so there's a series of really fascinating studies in the 1940s that were done um, because they were scientists were very concerned about what would happen in the Second World War when all the um, concentration camps and all these kind of, you know, uh, great massive um, starvation that was happening across Europe. And what would happen with those people because no one had ever dealt with starvation on that scale. Mm. So in America, in Minnesota, they got some conscientious objectors um, who hadn't been involved in the war up until then to volunteer. And they, to cut a long story short, you can look it up, it's really fascinating. We're going to add uh, it to our they, resources, they, um, yeah. They reduced the calories to only 1,500 a day, so they made them restrict. And actually, they had screened them all, all these people beforehand to see physically, like, you know, are they, are they healthy otherwise? Because like, what they were interested in is physically what happens to people when they haven't got enough calories, when they're restricting. And actually what they found, it horrified them. And it was not what happened to them physically. It was what happened to them with regard to their mental health. Oh, so all of these riveting. people who had otherwise been perfectly fine with their mental health, had never had mental health problems, became depressed, became anxious, started hearing voices. One person amputated three of his fingers wow. with an axe. It was really quite extraordinary. And they actually had to stop the study, not because of the physical health complications, which is what they thought would happen, but because of the mental health complications. Wow. And that is what happens when you restrict for periods of time. So, And I say this to all my patients who are restricting, often because they've got anorexia or other eating disorders, that actually it's so hard to tease apart. Are you depressed and that's caused your anorexia? Or actually, is it the anorexia, for example, that has caused your depression because wow. of your lack of calories? And actually, even though that's very extreme in, in the eating disorders that I see, actually, it happens, I think, all the time. I think it's part of the reason why people feel so miserable on diets because of this, the, the, the kind of the fact that basically you're restricting, you're starving yourself. So anyway, wow. that's my thing. Isn't that riveting? Yeah. And we also got to remember that um, um, eating disorders, self-starvation, is actually the biggest killer, psychiatric killer. Um, uh, the people die more from eating disorders than they do from other psychiatric conditions. Yeah, so what, one in five people with an eating disorder will die from the eating disorder. It has the highest mortality rate of any mental okay. illness. Okay, so but it's I mean, serious stuff, yeah. really serious stuff. It shows the importance of not starving yourself. Yeah. I mean, that's, I suppose, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's, I mean, it shows how profoundly unwell patients become. Yeah. But it's in interesting that we can all take something from, the, you know, these extraordinary studies that were done 60, 70 years ago, and actually they would never be allowed to be done now, of course. Mm. So it's really interesting. But anyway, I talked to all my patients about oh, it. I'm absolutely eat breakfast, I, eat know, regularly. It's I good mean, for you. I'm pretty obsessed with this, as you can probably <laughs> tell, and I, I hadn't come across that. So how fabulous. Okay, so we got quite a few questions from our different communities, same community, my community, Max's community. We just sort of whizzed through a few nutrition questions. Um, right, where should we start? Um, what store cupboard staples should you keep for when we unexpectedly need a mood lifting easy meal any thoughts on that i know what i've got in mind but um 
Do you know what I really like? Yeah. I Because I'm not very good at cooking. In fact, I'm really quite atrocious. I'm yeah. with Marjorie on this. Yeah. <laughs> we would never be able to get married and live together because it would be a nightmare <laughs> for many reasons. <laughs> I'll come out, <laughs> I'll move in. No, we could be a threesome. No, we'd go out to dinner then. Yeah, we would actually. We'd have a great time actually. We'd just eat out. Can I come? But, <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> but what, what, so what I like is kind of stuff that's very simple but also kind of nice and nutritious. And there's these kind of, I think they're called John West Oh, yeah, I was about to say. Kind of little pasta things, because for me, it's just perfect. It's not too heavy. They're kind of, they come in a little tin and you just kind of literally peel them open. They're often on kind of two for one and stuff. And and they've got just enough protein in them, got just enough carbohydrate. They've even got some vegetables. They've got like sweet corn and peas and beans and stuff in them. And I really like them for lunch. They're really quick and easy. So hang on, what are they actually called? They're called like John West, something like tuna pasta things we can google it and okay. find out well that can go on our resources can, can, yeah can i just Marjorie, come in here in we're obviously cupboard? we're obviously together here because it would be these little tins of sweet corn yeah you just open them corn. you don't even need to put them around them yeah and then you have and so addicted was am i to those that one day my um a person worked for me in the office for my christmas present bought in a 20 <laughs> tins of sweet corn for my Christmas present. That's so sweet. Um, because, you know, that's what I ate at lunch. <laughs> okay, do you think, do you think if, it's, if it says store cupboard, we can include freezer? Oh, definitely. Yeah. I'm a great fan. You know, doctors are always talking about fresh fruit and vegetables, and I think yeah. that's really misleading because actually, I think the freezer. So actually, that was exactly as you were saying earlier. That's exactly when, with these patients who I was working with down in South London, where yeah. there was no kind of local provision. There was an Iceland not that far away, and that was what we basically came so up that, with. That's so really definitely, how I, yeah. it is often it's, it's often actually fresher than the stuff you might buy because it's kind of frozen there and then. Yeah, and things like sort of frozen raspberries, very strong. All the berries, um, purple berries, I thought. Be particularly good, aren't they? Kind of, they increase the nitrous oxides. And they're also, they're also and they much cheaper. The frozen yeah, ones the frozen are much cheaper ones. than the fresh ones. And then basically, freezer stuff full of all those frozen fruit and, fruit and veg, which is really not hard once you're into it. And then all the nut butters in the cupboard, which are really easy, like peanut butter, almond butter, and then you can whiz them up in a smoothie. Completely delicious, and actually they look prettier. We we actually made a happy smoothie here for today. Um, anyway, we won't get there. But it is it does taste delicious. And it's got some spinach in there. And that's another thing. Frozen spinach leaves, chuck that in, and then you've got your iron. I it, found it. I found out what it's called. Okay, brilliant. Yeah, share. I'm really sorry. It's called John West Lunch on the Go. Lovely. John West Lunch on the Go. Maybe this one's a good one. Um, how do you get cracking? I want to start using nutrition to improve my uh, mental health. What should I do first? Well, I just share what Alice said, what, what I did with Alice. And I don't know if you use this, Max. She said, um, start keeping a food diary. Yeah, good so or bad? I'm just choking my smoothie, but I, Is that I, bad I love it. No, idea? I love a, a, a okay, food diet. I do it with all my patients because okay. again, people often don't realise quite what they're eating. Exactly. And and when you then see the patients' food diaries, you realise that a lot of people actually have a really restrictive diet. And I don't mean they're mi- they're, they're not eating much or they're kind of missing meals. I mean it's literally what we call the food repertoire. Yeah. So the kind of like the different variety of foods they have is often really you know it's really that, that was me. It was like but, but having a large family, it was like you know it's roast chicken on Monday, fish pie on Tuesday. I had it like I had it like really. I thought I was like really organised, and I was, but actually it was the same. And that was the variety thing. So yeah, I think I think the food diary is the first step to see you know, what, what's actually going on and then, you know, how you can make small little changes as you go along. Um, we've got another one here. Um, yeah, I mean, we did talk about this. How damaging is sugar to mental health? Bit, bit of a broad one, isn't it? 
I mean, I, I think I, I was observed it in myself of the mood swing. So you have a, you know, you do, you have your Mars bar, your mood whizzes up, then it crashes. I think we need to define really what we yeah. understand by sugar, for mm. example. Interesting. Because yeah. there's lots of kind of naturally occurring sugars. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we're thinking have a fruct, um, a, a, a smoothie, which is going to be absolutely packed full of sugar. But actually, that's okay. And sugar, all sugar is, is just energy. Yeah. And actually, all carbohydrate is, is lots of little bits of sugar stuck together. Mm. And we need to kind of remember that. I suppose some of the difficulty, when when we often talk about sugar in this context, what we really mean is highly refined sugar or um, like fructose, fructose, you know, fructose corn syrup, corn syrup yeah. and stuff, which, you know, is... We, we know has kind of more complicated effects on the body to do with things like inflammation. And also it destabilizes blood sugar levels. And I'm really interested in this. You know, I spend a lot of time with my patients talking about trying to stabilize their blood sugar level. Mm. And the difficulty is, is when you have your Mars bar, there's nothing inherently wrong with the Mars bar. The difficulty is it's got lots of sugar in it. It dumps it into your stomach, then into your bloodstream. And then, and then you release a lot of insulin, which then kind to of... To mop up the sugar. Exactly, gets yeah. rid of that sugar in your blood. And then often it will kind of overdo it a bit. So then you get a big crash. What, and you, so, you overdo what? Like too much so, insulin? So the insulin then will kind of then um, take, take a lot of the blood the sugar, sugar out. Uh, the sugar in the blood. Um, I and, never understood what that what actually and meant. And so then I've it goes up and down okay. and up and down. And so rather That's than so it being kind of nice smooth, uh, you know, on, the, on on a graph, like a smooth up and down, kind of natural, gentle, yeah. uh, you know, variation, it's spiking up and down and up and down. And of course, then you get a crash and then you feel quite low. So then you are more likely to then think, right, I need to reach for another bar of chocolate, for example. So it's important that people, again, we don't demonize sugar. Yeah, because it's a source it's of energy. How you it's really, really what important. It, what it really is. I mean, I, I don't think I really understood that actually. It's brilliant. But then equally, it's important that we also so so sugar is good. It's important. It gives us energy. It's vital. Without it, we would not be here. And in fact, your brain can only metabolize sugars. So we need it. It's absolutely essential for life. Um, but equally, we need to remember that a lot of the kind of foods that we have will have really refined sugars, which our body is not very good. It's not very adept at, at dealing with. And okay. that can kind of, you know, send things send things a bit haywire. I think we should give Max an A star. I mean, that, <laughs> that was just like top answer. Thanks. Well, it's our tip of the week time. So our regular listeners will know that we just each of us share something that's been really helping us through. Uh, I think last week we had Max going to home base and buying plants. Yeah? Yep, I've just been. <laughs> He's just been. We had Marjorie reading... The gulag uh, or the, some the terrible, terrible uh, book about people suffering so that I could put my own suffering, other people's suffering, just on that sort of yep, history. Yeah, perfect. And I did some breathing exercises and putting a finger on one nose to slow down the rate I was breathing, um, just using that as a way to centre. So I don't know if we've got a fresh one this week. Any any thoughts, Max? Well, my, given that we've been talking about eating and yeah. food and so on, mine would, would be this book. I absolutely love it. I think it's a brilliant book, and it's called Overcoming Binge Eating Lovely. by yeah. Christopher Fairburn. Now, you don't have to have a binge eating disorder um, in order to, to benefit from the book. In fact, lots of people, um, it, he, he does also kind of expand the, the, the book into talking about things like bulimia, but actually you don't have to have an eating disorder at all. Okay. Because um, a lot of it is about kind of developing a, a more healthy relationship with food mm. and sort of questioning some of our relationships and some of our assumptions and thoughts around food, um, particularly in relation to kind of the way we connect it with emotions and mm. trying to sort of loosen that connection a bit with our emotions and see it more just as, as kind of you know, important for function and you know energy and so on and so on so we can go off and live our lives. 
life. So I really like it. It's a, it's a, it's a good book. It's hard. It is, it's a okay. hard read. Over, overcoming binge eating. It, there's, okay. It's lots of tasks in it. Oh, um, nice. So, so oh, it's I love kind of, tasks. It's like a CBT a kind of like that. approach. So, yeah, it's a very much like a okay. workbook. So it can be a bit hard at times. But it's honestly, I think it's brilliant. I love it. It's one of my right, favourite Should books. we start yeah, you can. doing it? And we'll, we'll report back yeah, we'll to report Dr. Back Max. Okay, so mine... It's sort of related to food, but it's it's more about language. And it's just something that I've been trying out, which is instead of saying, I am angry, I am sad, I am hungry, I am this or I am that, I just say, I feel. So I feel sad, I feel angry, I feel hungry. Um, just to allow me to just be more aware. It's a bit what we were talking about. Just to be aware that this is this is fleeting. It doesn't define me. Um, it will pass and I don't necessarily have to act from that place at that time it's just an awareness of the feeling so it's just shifting from I am to I feel yeah brilliant don't know if you've yep. ever tried that but. absolutely that's, oh, okay. a, that's, a, that's a real you know kind of main standard thing one. of in CBT we love this yeah I would add say that you know in that I don't need to punish myself I just need to try and enjoy nice yeah cool all right well listen thanks all for tuning in uh we're going to be back talking more matters mental health me uh, max and marjorie uh thank you very much Bye.